So I'm going to be discussing Toward a Theory of Visual Argument by David Bertzell and Leo Garroque. Did I say that correctly? I think so. Okay, so these scholars are concerned that argumentation students lack the very important skills and tools required for accuracy in assessing visual modes of reasoning um, and persuasion. So argumentation theorists often dismiss and show little to no concern for the visual components of argument and persuasion, and this is the issue that they have. They bring attention to the fact that many theorists reject the notion that visual images are a form of argumentation. So the authors are highly committed to developing, developing sorry, a viable theory of visual argument. So they raise three concerns that others have addressed regarding visual images serving as arguments. So the first issue is visual, visu visual images are vague and ambiguous. The second issue, the importance of context. And the third issue is the distinction between representation and resemblance. So the first issue views images as less accurate than words, says that they're arbitrary, especially written words. So the concern is visuals don't quite capture the full meaning and intentions of the words. To be more specific, the arguments being made themselves. So the authors agree that, that yes, um, visual images can be vague, but so can words. So they both can be extremely vague and unclear. So just because the point was made that visual images are vague and can't be clear, clearly defined really holds no weight in the author's point of view because this is a problem we deal with in natural language argument also. So hence historians debating over the exact meaning and different interpretations of documents, laws, and hostility around several interpretations of what was meant by a certain person. So the authors offer two examples that further the claim that visual images and words work together to form arguments. So one is the anti-smoking poster that was in the article, which without that visual of a fish on the hook would be vague and no one would be able to understand it. That gave it that context that it needed um, to, to, to give it that argumentative purpose to be able to, to be clear to individuals who were looking at the ad. There should be like a common understanding, even though it can be deba debated, it can be refuted, but there was an overall message that came with that. So adding the picture, therefore, um, clarifies the overall message and adds emphasis on the danger that smoking cigarettes has on your health. I personally find that to be more powerful and able to capture more emotion than just words alone. Overall, the message is just as precise as words, in my opinion. Another example I can apply to this context is another vintage Marlboro anti-smoking ad that pictures a globe with a cigarette lit inside of it caption a satisfied customer so this visual image can certainly be debated questioned and act as an argument if it stood alone as just a satisfied customer you have no idea what the image was talking about you know you wouldn't you wouldn't have any context but the visuals help to form the argument that the cigarettes were popular at the time and everyone loved them this could be refuted and debated like i said um, just like a verbal argument so visual images like the ones discussed dismiss the presumption that visual meaning is arbitrary and unclear similar to words these claims are open to debate confirmation and argument so the authors make it clear that they don't make the claim that visual images can serve as arguments to suggest that verbal and visual meanings are equivalent or in any way identical what they do argue is that both words and visual images can be ambiguous or clear as well as convey claims and arguments so the second issue is the importance of context. Of course, we don't expect all words to have solid meanings by themselves. We not only look to additional sentences and paragraphs to clarify the meaning within, but we focus on the contextual clues as words alone don't always convey exact meanings. So we, could, we would never assume that verbal arguments are examined in isolation from one another without considering contextual evidence. So why should we view or why should we examine visual images in isolation from one another? So the same applies for verbal arguments. The same that applies for verbal arguments should apply for visual as well. 
So there are three types of context that are important in evaluating visual arguments. The first one is immediate visual context, and this incorporates a progression of images which allow us to recognize a single frame as a part of an overarching argument. The second is immediate verbal context. This is how an image relates to its accompanying verbal text. So words establish a context of meaning into which images can enter with a high degree of specificity while achieving a meaning different from the words alone. The third is visual culture. As stated on page seven, visual culture refers to cultural conventions of vision. In this sense, include what it means to see or to represent seeing, as well as changes in the meaning of particular elements of a verbal vocabulary. So this context is different from the other two kinds because it influences the visual meaning production indirectly. Lastly, the third issue deals with the meaning of resemblance. So this ties into other components as well, the consequent Conventional, conventionalization of representation and the susceptibility of resemblance to visual and verbal challenge. So while representation is considered more ambiguous than resemblance, resemblance is filled with judgment. It's difficult to determine what an accurate visual image is in terms of what it should particularly resemble and what characteristics it should possess. So the standards of resemblance are subject to challenge on two argumentative levels. They may not resemble and they may not represent. It's through visual techniques that the question of resemblance becomes apparent and it becomes obvious that there are argumentative aspects of representation and resemblance. In closing, they note a fourth issue as raised by Anthony Blair's theory of visual argument. Blair suggests that many of the visuals we consider arguments are actually persuasion. The authors argue that persuasion needs to be reconsidered in the realm of visual argument because the attempt to convince someone of something could very well be an argument. In summary, visual argumentation must identify how we can discover internal elements of an image, understand the concepts context of a visual image, establish consistency of interpretations, and chart changes in visual perspectives over time. Thank you.